You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems with your host, Northwestern University internist, Dr. Lee Friedman. A ruptured vascular plaque with subsequent thrombus, often the cause of the sudden heart attack that might occur without any advance warning. How can we as physicians approach this devastating condition? With me today is Dr. Emil Moller III, Director of Vascular Medicine and Director of the Vascular Diagnostic Center at Penn Presbyterian Medical Center in Philadelphia. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Moller. It's great to be here. Vulnerable plaque in the coronaries. How might a clinician start at this point in time to identify which patients might have this issue? Well, the patient who's vulnerable for heart attack and stroke and even for the development of peripheral arterial disease are those patients, first of all, who would have a high number of cardiovascular risk factors, for example, diabetes, smoking, high cholesterol, hypertension. These are patients, of course, that you know are at high risk. But there are some patients who don't seemingly have those risk factors where you might want additional tests to determine their risk. These additional tests could be high-sensitivity C-reactive protein or a new marker that's now being evaluated in clinical trials, uh, lipoprotein phospholipase A2. It's an enzyme that's thought to be a biomarker involved in heart attack and stroke. And the LP-PLA2 is not felt to actually itself break down the plaque, but again, just to be a, a marker of this process. Well, CRP may or may not be involved in the process itself, the atherosclerotic process. We do know that LP-PLA2, though, is thought to be involved in the process as it's carried on LDL cholesterol, low-density lipoprotein. So it is present in the plaque and is thought to contribute to inflammation development in the plaque. It's almost like a Trojan horse, if you will, where mm-hmm. it's carried in by the LDL and then is, works on oxidized fatty acids that are present on the low-density lipoprotein to create a pro-inflammatory situation. So it is, uh, in addition to a marker, it is actually participating in the process that might set up a plaque to rupture or be vulnerable. Correct. And I think most of us are familiar with testing for C-reactive protein. Can we test for LP? PLA2. Yes, you can look at the mass of this compound and the amount that's circulating, and that's the so-called plaque test that is marketed by a company called Diadexis. Would this be appropriate then for patients who have multiple risk factors to do as part of a baseline screening? It would be appropriate for that intermediate risk category patient. The patient that you already are treating with a statin, for example, and are treating highly aggressively or considered a so-called risk equivalent of a patient who's already had a heart attack or a patient with a heart attack, those are patients who you would not necessarily, in my opinion, need to screen with this test. It would be the same type of patient you would screen, for example, for with high sensitivity C-reactive protein. Those patients you're not sure of their clinical risk, and you're putting them in that intermediate category where you're not sure whether you want to put them on a statin drug, for example. Those are the patients who you would want to obtain this test. That makes better sense. If we already know the risk is very low or the risk is very high, the test would not add that much. But in that intermediate category, in assuming that the test did come back showing a great deal of activity of this enzyme, uh, statin would be the appropriate response to that? Well, we do know that statins reduce LPPLA activity similar to the way they reduce CRP activity. So yes, certainly a statin would be the at least my first choice as far as reducing uh, risk if this was elevated. 
And then you were the lead author on a study in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology that was exciting to me about a possible new agent that might be useful when there seems to be a great deal of inflammation. Can you tell us a little bit about your study? Yes, the study evaluated patients who were at risk of having heart attack and stroke or had known atherosclerotic disease. And the patients were initially randomized to receive either 80 milligrams or 20 milligrams of atorvastatin as background treatment. Mm-hmm. So there was a run-in period where they received the statin, and then after that run-in period, were then randomized to varying doses of the study drug, Durapilidib, to determine if this drug had a reduction in LPPLA2 activity. So kind of had the run-in, got a baseline of these inflammatory markers, what has the statin done, and then Durapilidib was added to the mix. That's correct. Was it a 12-week study after the Durapilidib was added on? Yes. So patients received the study drug for 12 weeks after they had received the run-in period with STAT. And Durapilidib itself, this is an oral medicine? Yes. It's a pill form given once a day. Oh, good. So compliance shouldn't be too much trouble. And tell us, was it effective at further lowering some of the inflammatory biomarkers? Yes. We're excited to see that the study drug Durapilidib reduced levels of LPPLA2 significantly, even up to the highest dose of the drug. Was there any difference in terms of dose effect? You mentioned that there were three different doses of Durapilidib. Did the higher dose work better? Yes, it did. So the highest dose used in the study, which was the 160 milligram dose, had the greatest reduction in activity of the enzyme. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and Dr. Emil Moeller, Director of Vascular Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Hospitals, is discussing with us therapies that might be helpful for vulnerable plaques in coronary arteries. Dr. Moeller, the Durapilidib, were there many toxicities or side effects? Fortunately, the drug was well-tolerated. There were a few dropouts and the side effect profile was very favorable. Obviously, this is just a phase two study, but do you envision this being looked at and coming into play either in primary or secondary prevention in the subsequent years? Well, the hope is this class of medication would act to reduce the activity enzyme and therefore reduce inflammation in the plaque and ultimately reduce the amount of plaque rupture that occurs, and obviously we're hoping a reduced heart attack and stroke rate. You know, if the pharmaceutical company GlaxoSmithKline that supported this trial deems that this would be in their best interest to move forward, I think they'll go to phase three, but I will leave that to them as I'm not employed by the company and worked as an independent investigator on this study. And I imagine it is too early to say whether the reductions in these biomarkers would lead at this point to any clinically significant uh, changes. Unfortunately, it wasn't looked at in this study. We didn't look at heart attack and stroke rate. We did, however, look at biomarkers of cardiovascular risk. And what we did find, interestingly, at baseline, the high-sensitivity C-reactive protein were actually relatively low. The mean level is 1.17, which is in the normal range. What we did find, nonetheless, that treatment with Durapilative at the 160-milligram dose, the high dose, produced a 20% reduction in CRP at week 12 compared to uh, baseline. So that was, I think, an interesting finding. We also found that interleukin-6, another pro-inflammatory cytokine, we found that uh, as again observed with the 160 dose resulted in a 21% reduction from baseline. So again, a favorable response consistent with the hypothesis that this 
study drug will reduce inflammation, not only in the bloodstream, but hopefully in the plaque itself. Is enough known about the phenomena of uh, post-angioplasty stent thrombosis to say whether the mechanism is the same as what we see with plaque rupture? And would this type of drug have any role in that scenario? Well, what you bring up is, of course, a devastating area in cardiology where patients who have received drug-eluting stents, in a very rare number of patients, they're having what's called late thrombosis, where it's thought that the stent structure itself, because the eluting drug, either paclitaxel or cerulimus, has worked so well that reendothelialization does not occur on the stent, leaving bare metal and maybe even detachment from the wall, which would predisposed to thrombus formation, so-called late thrombosis, causing a heart attack and stroke, and not necessarily restenosis causing a problem. So in that situation, we really think it's a problem with reendothelialization and just a lack of ability for the body to heal that particular area. So whether LPPLA2 itself is involved in setting up that particular situation, we don't know, but it's an interesting question, and I think we certainly need much more information and research to try to figure out how to develop stents where they allow for re-endothelialization and allow the body to heal up that particular area that's been damaged. And we know that statins lower these biomarkers, Duraplidib. Are there other interventions, either medicinal or lifestyle, that have been shown to reduce the pro-inflammatory vulnerability of plaques? Well, I'm not aware of any randomized controlled trials that have looked at other drugs other than the statin drugs, which we mentioned earlier, that stabilize the plaque. So, you know, I can't quote you any particular area that would be, I think, at a level of evidence where I could say absolutely you need to order this. The over-the-counter of the medicine that I tend to prescribe as a class would be the fish oil omega-3 fatty acid group. And that particular category over-the-counter, and there's actually a prescription available fish oil, in prospective trials have been shown to actually reduce heart attack and stroke rates. So that's the one over-the-counter situation where I would prescribe this medicine. With regard to the fish oils, as the pharmaceutical reps come into my office, they tell me how Loveza is much more purified and you'd have to take a boatload of over-the-counter fish oil to get the same protective effect. Is that indeed uh, factual at this point? Well, I don't know the data on that, and I can't quote you how pure, so to speak, their product is, but it's something that I have heard as well. I think that that's important in any over-the-counter preparation that it is regulated and that we do have some accounting for what's in the product. Because other than that, I'm really worried, whether it's you, a family member, your patient, that what we're taking may vary day-to-day so much that we don't know what we're, we're getting. Is there much evidence about uh, lifestyle intervention in terms of exercise, certainly smoking cessation, lowering of blood pressure, in terms of improving plaque stability? Well, unfortunately, we don't have randomized trials of people exercising and looking at plaque stability uh, just hasn't been, I guess, feasible to do that. But we mm-hmm. certainly do know that from epidemiologic studies and observational cohort studies that exercise is a great reducer of cardiovascular risk. So I tell my patients, God made us to move around. <laughs> exercise is certainly important for not only stress reduction, but probably helps with plaque stability. The important part of exercise, though, is you know patients do have heart attacks while exercising. That's the kind of double-edged sword, if you will. So I think it's important that we tell our patients not to start and stop exercising. In other words, 
they start exercising, they miss one day, well, just don't stop for two months and then restart. But really, in their lifestyle, create it as a part of their life so that they're not stochotic, they're you know, not starting and stopping, but actually continuing to have some exercise in their life. Well, I want to thank Dr. Emil Moeller, who has been discussing with us the concept of vulnerable plaque, the biomarkers that we have for that, and how we might address this problem. He is the Director of Vascular Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems, and uh, very interesting stuff, especially some comments from his recent study in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology about Dirapilidib, a medication that was well-tolerated that lowered biomarkers of inflammation. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from the University of Pennsylvania Health Systems on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To learn more about this or any other show, please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can also register and sign up for access to our on-demand features. Thank you for listening.